Oh man, blast from the past, huh? Woo! Ren Harpole's favorite video we've ever made in the history of Legacy Church. Oh my gosh, y'all, balanced 2020. No, guys, we are not confused. We realize what year this is, but you guys know that this is what we spent years, almost five years on, balancing, making sure worship, reach, connect, grow, serve, making sure that these things were in a healthy balance. It's just so fun to go down memory lane, isn't it? It's so fun to look at those pictures from way back when and everything and, and see ourselves when uh, some had more hair than we have now and some were in better shape than we are now and all those things. Some kiddos were smaller. I don't know. I love memory lane. I think I'm getting more nostalgic in my, my uh, tenure on this earth. But anyway, uh, y'all, it's good to, good to see you guys tonight. It's good to get to be together and worship, spend time with our Heavenly Father and spend time with each other. Uh, today's Father's Day. It is Father's Day all day long. And man, this is that day. Uh, this is that day for, for the guys in the room, the gals in the room, as it brings up all kinds of thoughts. It brings up all kinds of emotion. It brings up all kinds of feelings because today is not necessarily a happy day for everybody. This is a day that brings the emotions of childhood with an abusive father or an alcoholic father or um, one that was absent and distant. It brings up the, remember, the, the, the thoughts and the memories of the hopes that are desired here on this earth that maybe haven't been attained yet. Perhaps maybe fatherhood as you dream about that or uh, motherhood even as you dream about that for your husband as well. Um, there's, there's all kinds of of thoughts. There's also the emotions that are happy, where you look back at your childhood and you have great memories with your father. And you have wonderful um, history and examples of, of how your, your father truly did reflect the love of God the Father and gave you that in a blessing and a remarkable way. And, uh, and so we, we span the spectrum today. We span the spectrum of fathers, Thoughts of fathers, dreams as fathers, dreams for children, dreams for husbands, thoughts about biblical manhood and what that means and what it looks like. And so I hope today that we're going to take time to seek God in and through our circumstances, whatever that means, whatever that looks like for you, and to ask God where God was, ask God where God is today, and ask God, where are you taking me? Paint the picture for me of the future and the hope and the care that you have for me because God the Father is the perfect Father, the ideal Father, the example, the one that is the plumb line, the standard for all people here on this earth. You know, not too long ago, I was sent an article, it's really good, um, and it was entitled, The One Thing Christians Should Stop Saying, and it kind of goes in the, the, the rainbows and unicorns category, right, where everything's all, all great, right? Uh, how are you doing? And the answer is, I'm blessed. Something that Christians should stop saying. I'm blessed. Well, the reason it should stop saying is that it is doing some serious damage to people that Christ's followers are hoping to reach. Can you believe that? Because it's not meant as a negative, is it? Not at all, but it's doing some damage to people that we hope to reach. This author, Scott Dannemiller, he went on to say that Christians need to define blessing in its true form. 
And define blessing from this. My blessing is this. I know a God who gives hope to the hopeless. I know a God who loves the unlovable. I know a God who comforts the sorrowful. And I know a God who's planted the same power within me. And I know a God who's planted the same power within all Christ followers. See, that's a big difference because that's whenever we, whenever we jump into the arena and we feel like we're getting the snot kicked out of us, that's the point where God becomes very, very real and poignant, doesn't he? Yeah, whenever things, and so, so the answer is, how are you doing? Man, things are really challenging or things are great and I'm so thankful for that or things are so hard, but I am so thankful that I do serve a God who gives hope in these times. And so this idea of being blessed, this is really meaningful to me to read this, you know, because it's easy to feel blessed when times are good, but there's just as much blessing in the difficult times. It's very easy to feel blessed when times are good. The challenge of the world, though, doesn't come in the good times, does it? That's not the challenge of this world. The challenge is to know and feel blessing in the fire right in the fires of life, and to know that no matter what, God's present on the mountaintops and in the valleys. God is present throughout. God is near, and when we allow God into those circumstances, when we allow God into our reality, we let go, that's when God becomes strength. It's when God becomes power in our lives. You know, tonight we continue to live this journey towards living the legacy. And we're on this journey together as a church, and we've been discussing the mission of our church, our vision, our values. We've gone through characteristics of the early church that we long to be um, identified with, and we long to be the change in this world that God longs to see. And tonight, in the midst of this litany of things, because at this point now, we're starting to stack up all of this stuff we do as a church. Biblically based, foundational, but it all adds up, doesn't it? It's important in this moment that as, the, as we add up mission, vision, values, characteristics, be the change, all these things, we start to stack those things up. It's important that we take a breath and we kind of level set everything. And so tonight, we're gonna be talking about being balanced. And we go back through what it means to be balanced in five categories. You know, it's been proven throughout history, recent history, that churches that are balanced in these five categories experience health. They experience a full ministry. And consequently, individuals who are a part of this body that is balanced and then those individuals live this balanced life in these five categories are more likely to live life to the fullest measure. Now, this is special because that's what we want. We want to live life to the fullest, right? So we've said it a few times here. We talked about it for about five years. So does anybody remember what the five categories are? Here's a clue. W-R-C-G-S. Anybody got it? Go for it. Say it out loud. Ready? Give yourselves a hand. Nicely done. Worship, reach, connect, grow, and serve. This is the, the balanced life. Here they are. Worship, reach, connect, grow, and serve. If we are balanced in these five categories, we see fruitful ministry. 
We balanced in these five categories, we see life to the fullest measure. And tonight we start with the beginning. And we just start with just the one that overarches all of them. And that is this understanding of worship. And here's what it means. To respond to God's presence regardless of our circumstances. Now y'all, that sounds so good, doesn't it? And it sounds wonderful for me to stand here on this stage and to say we respond to God when times are good and we respond to God when times are challenging. That sounds very, very good. That is easier said than done, isn't it? It's just easier said than done, especially in the low times, the dark times. They are hard. But let's just get our foundation back underneath us and let's just talk about how this is possible tonight. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here it is, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Set apart your body, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world does not give you your goal. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We give our bodies We renew our mind in the way that we think and the way that we perceive. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, one of the greatest examples I can think about of what it means to live life as a living sacrifice, where we genuinely lay our bodies on the altar and say, my life is yours, God. One of the greatest examples of this is the story in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter three. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Such a wonderful, amazing story. It's, a, it's, a, it's the story where these three guys refused to worship the image of King Nebuchadnezzar, which was certain to result in their death. Here was their response. They replied to the king, they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your mighty hand. Now, here it is, your majesty's mighty hand. Now, here it is. But even if he does not, this is a powerful phrase, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in a sense saying, our God can save us. Our God can rescue us from this fire. But even if he does not, that does not take away from his goodness and we will worship God regardless of the outcome, regardless of the circumstance, because that's where our hope is. That's where our hope lies. And so you see here some some intense biblical manhood on this Father's Day, right? You see in this moment here a living sacrifice where they are literally placing themselves in the fiery furnace. They knew they were placing themselves there. The furnace was so hot that the people that went to drop them into the furnace died. This is remarkable, right? This response, God can but even if he doesn't, we worship him. God can, but even if God doesn't, see, this is worship regardless of circumstance. 
knowing the truth about the goodness of God. Now, the right Reverend Clint Neighbors, uh, not too long ago, said this phrase, and I wrote it down. It meant a lot to me. And I wrote this down. It said, he said, I can trust my circumstances or I can trust the Lord, but it's dang, you can hear Clint saying this, it's dang near impossible to do both. I can trust my circumstances or I can trust the Lord, but it's dang near impossible to do both. Isn't that the truth, though? It's so true. God can heal me from this sickness, but even if God doesn't, I won't worship the God of fear. I refuse to worship the God of my circumstance. God can save me from my struggle, but even if God doesn't, I will worship God only because God is good. God can provide, God can rescue, God can save, God can, God can, God can. But even if God doesn't, God's people refuse to turn to the other idols of worship, to worry, and all those things that consume us, self-reliance, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, go to all kinds of measures to save ourselves, we become a slave to our circumstance, even so that sometimes if we get out of our circumstance, it feels wrong because we've been in that circumstance for so long. It's crazy how this works, but God can. See, God's people worship the one who is worthy of praise, the one who is worthy of our focus and our attention. And God's people look for where God is at work and they meet God there when it feels good and they meet God there when it doesn't. Y'all look at this. 10 bucks for the person who can tell me who won the state championship a decade ago. Walker Jennings. No. North Metro. Stop guessing, you know it or you don't. How about five years ago? Richland. That was three years ago. You can't remember, can you? Leads me to ask a couple of questions. What's the purpose of this team? Win ball games. Then what? We get a trophy and people talk about us. Maybe, for a while. Then what? I don't know. Get a scholarship, play for college, and uh, coach Little League. <laughs> what are you getting at, Grant? You think we're just wasting our time? If our main goal is to win football games, then yes. You don't want us to win games? No. Not if that's our main goal. Winning football games is too small a thing to live for. And I love football as much as anybody. But even championship trophies will one day collect dust and be forgotten. It's just that so far all this has been about us. How we can look good. How we can get the glory. The more I read this book, the more I realize life's not about us. We're not here just to get glory, make money, and die. The Bible says that God put us here for him, to honor him. Jesus said the most important thing you could do with your life is to love God with everything you are and love others as yourself. So if we win every game and we miss that, we've done nothing. Football then means nothing. So I'm here to present you a new team philosophy. I think that football is just one of the tools we use to honor God. So you think God does care about football? I think he cares about your faith. He cares about where your heart is. 
If you can live your faith out on the football field, then yes, God cares about football because he cares about you. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so we could live for him. That's why we're here. But see, it's not just on the football field. We've got to honor him in our relationships, in our respect for authority, in the classroom, and when you're at home alone surfing the internet. I want God to bless this team so much people talk about what he did. But it means we've got to give him our best in every area. And if we win, we praise him. And if we lose, we praise him. Either way, we honor him with our actions and our attitudes. So I'm asking you, what are you living for? I've resolved to give God everything I've got. Then I'll leave the results up to him. I want to know if you'll join me. See, God's people look for where God is at work, and they meet him there. When things feel good and when things don't. This is where we meet God, and this requires something. It requires the why behind the what. It requires the why behind behavior to be more important than what we are doing. The why behind what we're doing I mean, what we do is important. It's important for us to understand that. What we do is important. It's just not as important as our why. And so you folks that are in the room here that have kids, can you make them clean their rooms? Absolutely, you can. It's very easy, isn't it? Can you make them clean their rooms with a good attitude? You can't. You can get big, you can get scary, you can do all you need to do to make a kid clean his room. But can you make them clean a room with a good attitude? See, there's the trick, the why. It makes all the difference in the world. You see, I want my kids to obey. I want them to do what I ask them to do, but I don't want them to do it out of duty. I want them to do it, yes, I said duty on Father's Day. So no, <laughs> I don't want them to do, I want them to do it out of love, right? I want them to clean their room. I want them to obey. I want them to do what I'm asking them to do because they love me. And they long to please and care for. And so let's just take a moment and kind of hypothetically speaking, let's just pretend that tonight after church, Jesus is coming to your house for dinner or supper, whichever one you call it, right? So Jesus is coming to your house tonight for dinner. What happens at your home when you get home? Or what happened today in preparation, right? You'd have been going nuts cleaning your house, huh? The kids would have thought, man, just organize my room was light because you'd have them cleaning the baseboards. You'd have them mopping the floors. You'd have them wiping off the countertops. You'd have them doing all kinds of stuff. There's no question about it. Some extraordinary duties are coming their way. The house is gonna be so clean, you could eat out of the toilet. Yeah. Oh but so clean. Because why? Because Jesus is coming, right? It's crazy. And then there's meal preparation, right? We're not having bologna tonight. No way. You got to have steak. You got to have something yummy because Jesus is coming to your house. No meatloaf, no thanks. Brisket, right? So here's the question. Why would we do this? Why would we organize our home and try to make sure that it's presentable for Jesus? Why? Is it needed? Is it needed to do that? 
Another question is, is it right to do that for Jesus? Is it right? Because what's our motivation? The answer to this question is all dependent upon your why. It's all dependent upon why you would organize your home in a way to welcome Jesus in the way you would organize your home to welcome Jesus, right? No question about it, because what the why is behind the action is the most important thing. So the question is, is there a better way that we could prepare for Jesus to enter our home this evening? Is there a better way to do this? And we're going to answer it through a story. Answer this through another story that we know. Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And here it is. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, it's where Jesus did the best ministry he did between miracles on the way, right? He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Man, Mary is like the queen of this story, right? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? She's salty. She's upset. Tell her to help me. Martha. You can just see Jesus. Man, Martha. Whew. You're worried and upset about a lot of things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, a lot of times we look at this story and we go, what Martha was doing was unnecessary. What Martha was doing, she shouldn't have been doing what she was doing. Mary was the one. If Martha would have just come and sat at Jesus' feet, she would be the other queen of this story too, right? I want to propose something a little different than that. I want to propose the fact that preparing a meal for Jesus, for Martha, was important. It was an important thing. It was very important. Martha was doing what was needed. Martha was organizing the house in a such a way that was needed. It was important to happen. She was doing something worthy for Jesus. And Martha had the same ability through those actions to worship Jesus like Mary was worshiping Jesus in what she was doing. But Martha forgot why she was doing what she was doing. The one thing that's so important in this story is the why. The why behind what we do. And if Martha would have gotten her why right, guess what? She wouldn't have been worried about, Martha, about Mary. She wouldn't have been all concerned. She wouldn't have been all salty and bent about Mary. If she had just remembered her why, why was it important for her to do what she was doing? See, responding to God's presence means that what I do must be powered by why I do it. And each of us have different what's. But we must all have the same why. Each of us have different what's, but we must all have the same why. See, this is loving God first. Why we do what we do. This is loving God first. This is the fight of normalcy. This is that fight that we talk about so much. This is how the generational impact is made across the board in all shapes, form, and fashion because the why behind the what 
is spot on. This is the way that we become the change that we want to see in the world. This is the way we become the change that God wants to see in the world. This is what we call devotion. When we have our why right, this is devotion, and this is responding to God regardless of circumstance. And so the what is not a cookie cutter. Every one of us is created uniquely. And so therefore, the way we worship, the what is going to be different. But our why is focused on the bullseye together. And y'all, when you understand worship, you're able to focus on the goodness of God instead of the struggle of your situation. And this is what it comes down to. So the highs and the lows, right? Worship for God regardless of circumstance. Respond to the presence of God, asking God, where are you in this? What are you doing in this? Where are you taking me in this, Lord? And responding to God's presence and seeing the goodness of God no matter what is going on. Because God is always with you. Always. God will never leave you. Never. It doesn't mean that God is going to remove you from your circumstance. That's not the promise. The promise is God will see you through, lovingly, carefully, guiding you through the fire. That's the promise. God knows that if you will trust God with the outcomes of your life, the fullness of the gospel becomes attainable. This full life becomes attainable, and you can see God at work in every single situation you will ever encounter on this earth. You just got to ask him where he is. God, where are you? And then whenever the outcomes are the way that you want or not, they don't compromise God's goodness. Because God is good regardless of the outcome. Because at the end of the day, or literally at the end of life, when we transition from this world into eternity, we transition from this life to the next, Those that call on the name of the Lord will forever be in paradise, forever be in heaven. And no matter what the difficulties, no matter what the successes are here on this earth, there is always hope in that truth. And so therefore, no matter what an outcome is, God's goodness is never in question. Because God cares about your struggle. God cares about your health. God cares about your family. God cares about you. God cares about your kids. God cares. And God is with you through any and every circumstance. No matter what the difficulties or successes on this earth, there is always hope through Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus changes everything. It's Jesus. Jesus changes everything for us. And so today, through Jesus, guess what? Your future is as bright as it has ever been, ever. Right now. Did you know that? You're kind of sitting here thinking, wait a minute, Danny, I'm I'm, I'm towards the end of my life. Oh, no, 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 no. No, when we transition from this life into the next, man, we're just getting started. No, 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 we, we don't die. No, we just transition into eternity. And so what's defined here on this earth is defined very differently when it comes to eternity. Our future is as bright as it's ever been. Heaven awaits. And so may we long for heaven. Do you long for heaven? 
May we long for heaven together where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more weight of this world pressing down. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There's self-control, and it abounds in buckets. There are happy reunions of those who have gone before, and this is why today we say hallelujah. This is why today we say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And guys, this is cause for worship. We can worship regardless of what's going on today, the highs and the lows and the, everything in between. We, we can see God where God is at work. We just gotta ask, where are you, God? Where were you in the past? Where are you today? Where are you taking me? And then we respond to the goodness of God who is drawing us to himself. Drawing us to the goodness. This is cause for worship. Church, God can. But even if God doesn't, we praise him. Even if God doesn't, God is with us. God can, but if, even if God doesn't, God has our best interest in mind because God is good. And so may we look for God in every moment. As we love God and we love people, as we focus on generational impact and as we fight normal, as we live this life being about who we are for rather than what we are against, as we do excellence in all things, as we long to be the change that God longs to see in the world, as we do every single thing we do here on this earth, may we look for God in every moment and may we know why we respond the way we do in every moment. May we know why we're doing what we do, and may we be transformed by the renewing of our minds. May we worship God regardless of our circumstances. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we find ourselves this evening in a space where we're trying to, we're trying to sort out. There's all this goodness. There's all this grace. There's all this mercy. There's all this And Lord, I just pray that you help us to see you. Lord, in the highs and in the lows, when we think about our families, when we think about our friends, when we think about the people we love so dearly, we think about tragic endings and we think about new beginnings and we think about everything in between, Lord. May we see you and may we see your goodness and that you care deeply, not only about us, but every single person that we interact with. And Lord, may we receive that love, and Lord, may we allow that love to flow through us. And Lord, may the why behind our what be worship. May it be honoring you. May it be treating you as our Lord and as our Savior. May it be elevating you to the highest place because we know that you see the beauty of your creation and you have everyone's best interest in mind. And Lord, as you do, may we also. And so Lord, may our why be worship. May it be to praise your name, the one that matters most. Lord, we wanna be a living sacrifice. But Lord, we know that the danger of a living sacrifice is we can choose to lay down on that altar. We can choose to crawl up on the cross, but the living sacrifice also can choose to get up, to get off the cross. And so, Lord, may we not be guilty of that. May we be guilty of dying to ourselves so that others can live. This is what you did for us. 
This is who we want to be. This is how we want to respond to you. And Lord, we want to see that there is, there's a bigger picture happening than we can see. And so Lord, may we not be defined by our circumstances. May we not be controlled by our circumstances, but Lord, may the outlook on life be your view, be your vision, be your will and your way, and may we trust you that you know best. We love you, Father, and we pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen.